Welcome to the Punters, mate, on SEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Punters, mate, on this Friday, the 29th of September, 2023. Massive weekend of sport coming up. We've got the AFL Grand Final. We've got the NRL Grand Final. We've got some great racing, which kicks off tonight at the Valley with the Group 1 Moyer. Uh, we return to the Sunshine Coast for their night meeting or night night meeting season kicks off tonight. We go to uh, Ramwick tomorrow. Three Group Ones at Ramwick. Got a good meeting at uh, Sandown, of course, on Sunday as well. We've got the Ryder Cup for the Golf Nuffies, which is always a massive event over there in uh, in Europe, being held in Italy. That's going to be huge, uh, and all that's going on. But uh, I haven't got a Sam Highland this week, who's uh, off on holidays with his family for the week, having a well earned rest. Is Sam? Uh, he will be back with us next Friday on The Punter's Mate. So basically, uh, I'm flying solo today, but I've got some good guests, which I'll get to shortly, but just a little bit of news. Uh, I can't really bounce these off anyone this week because there's no one here but me. But uh, the jockey merry-go-round that Sammy and I have been uh, speaking about over the last few weeks with uh, Craig Williams and Jimmy Orman and, and etc. other jockeys are coming and going off these horses. Well, uh, we had another interesting one after last Saturday's meeting at Toowoomba. Yellow Brick, of course, who uh, Ben Thompson was riding in the winter. Uh, Jimmy Orman replaced him at his first run back at Toowoomba in the Wheatwood last Saturday. Uh, Jimmy went to the front. Apparently that wasn't the plan and was run down late by all that pizzazz, by, who was ridden, of course, by guess who, Ben Thompson. And now Jimmy Orman is not riding at Yellow Brick at his next start in Sydney. And Craig Williams will go on, who, of course, rode Giga Kick and was uh, given the boot off Giga Kick after the McEwen Stakes at Mooney Valley. So it's getting very confusing. It goes on and on and on. We will see what this week brings. But that's the latest one. Jimmy Orman replaced by Craig Williams. I think that's going to be the Silver Eagle uh, in Sydney coming up. Uh, Robbie Dolan, the singing jockey. Well, he's another one that's uh, seen the light. He's moving to Queensland, uh, lock, stock and barrel. And he will kick off his Queensland riding career at Ipswich next Wednesday. So the 4th of October will be the first riding day for Robbie Dolan. No uh, issue there about him riding plenty of winners. Definite asset to the Queensland racing scene. She's a belter, the horse that won the uh, the TJ uh, going back a season or so ago, which was the old Castle Main, of course, the 1,600 metre race for the two-year-olds. She's a belter, was retired. Now the JJ Atkins, I'll get that right in a moment. The JJ, of course, she's a belter one. Uh, with the Snowdens, was transferred to Annabelle Nietzsche at the start of this campaign, hasn't fired a shot, been retired. Uh, other news, Racing Queensland's announced some uh, initiatives Uh, For the new season now, Daylight Saving kicks in in the southern states, of course, this weekend. Uh, We will go to 10 races as of Saturday week. So tomorrow week, we are going to be in line with Victoria and New South Wales or Sydney and Melbourne on Saturdays. We will run 10 race cards, and that race will come from the midweeker. So we'll only have seven races generally on a Wednesday, and that midweeker would have been worth $38,000. It'll go to $50,000. we're having a two-month trial at the Sunshine Coast in January, February to run Sunday meetings there as twilight meetings. That's another initiative to look forward to after Christmas. And we run in Queensland four Saturday meetings, TAB meetings on a Saturday. We're finding, or we seem to be finding, or the RQ are finding, that the, uh, the turnover for the fourth meeting and the coverage of the fourth meeting isn't that uh, strong. So they're going to move that fourth meeting to a, uh, a Monday or a Tuesday, even a Sunday, Monday or Tuesday going forward. So 
Uh, in the new season, we'll most likely have three meetings on a Saturday, not four. So there's a bit of news. But uh, the biggest one to take out of that is definitely the shift to 10 races as of next Saturday. So that's going to keep everybody nice and busy going forward. And the racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. We have a big weekend, as I mentioned, racing this week. Main meeting is at Eagle Farm, of course, tomorrow. We race on the poly track as well. Uh, we also race at Mackay, Toowoomba in the Twilight Zone, and then we're back to the Sunshine Coast on Sunday afternoon. Of course, we race at the Sunshine Coast tonight, first meeting of the new night racing season. Last weekend, we had the Toowoomba Cup. Let's have a listen back to some of the major races from that day. Yellow Brick in front, but all that pizzazz looming ominously. 100 to go, Yellow Brick. All that pizzazz lunges. Photo. All that pizzazz, the outside. Oh! Gambler in front at the 150. Nikowsper still there on the outside. Military Gambler in front. Nikowsper, I don't think, can pick him up. And it's Military Gambler. Military Gambler beating Nikowsper, bar none for third. 300 metres from the judge, so Capital C ranging up on the outside, poked it set in front, Coney Island baby back to second, she mines into the clear and here's Adelaide there in the centre and Bobby Shiraz right down the outside, Adelaide sprinter to the lead, Red Defcon, Bobby Shiraz are coming at it but it's Adelaide, Adelaide wins again, he's beating home, Red Defcon and Capital C. Honey fires still there in the centre, homeward bound. Then came Mashani Rock, who's heading the remainder of the field. Basically four abreast, 170 to go. Mashani Rock hit the lead, trying hard Herbie Town, and also Mashani Fire. But it's Mashani Rock in front, 50 to go. Mashani Rock has won. Highlights from Toowoomba last Saturday, of course. Tony Gollan winning the uh, the Wheatwood. A race that he's been trying to win for a long, long time, being a Toowoomba boy. And he was very, very happy with himself and his stable. When all that pizzazz ran down, yellow brick right on the line. Now, Tony Gollum will join us later in the show. So looking forward to that. Also, Rob Heathcote. And also, Paul Bloodworth, who's going to join us right now. Of course, uh, Paul is the general manager, international and racing operations for Racing Victoria. That takes you back, that song, Paul, doesn't it? I'm sure it does. Hello, mate. Look, I just was transported back to the Metro nightclub in 1992. Then when I was in my heyday, fantastic stuff. Pump up the jam. Yeah, it, Goodness me. Uh, how, how good was that? How good was the music in those days? It's much better than it is now. But if we start saying that, we sound very, very old. Old men yelling at clouds. Anyway, that's another story. Uh wanted to chat to you about the Melbourne Cup. Now, there's a lot of people out there, and I'll include myself in this, uh, in this basket, that uh, haven't really got their head around the internationals as yet, and some of us may not do at all. Uh, we've got quite a, a good number of them already here. A lot more, I believe, or many more are on the way over the weekend. There's some important gallops coming up. Sam Hyland was supposed to be my go-to man uh, for the English form, but he's told us absolutely nothing, so I've sacked him. And I know that you will help us out. So uh, what is the story so far with the internationals? Yeah, mate. So I'm happy to give the listeners a bit of an overview of all the internationals that we've got coming. And, and, you know, if you look at the head of the market for the Cox Plate, the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup, international horses are well and truly at the forefront. So it's important that everyone gets an understanding 
of who's coming and what they're running in. Uh, so at the moment, out at Werribee, uh, we've got three horses out here. Uh, we've got Hong Kong's, arguably Hong Kong's best horse in Romantic Warrior, uh, who's a multiple Group 1 winner. He won the Queen Elizabeth there in April and won the Hong Kong Cup uh, last December at their international meeting. And he's a, he's a bona fide superstar of Hong Kong. He's got an international rating of 123 from this year and 124 from last year. And a rating like that, pretty much every year, wins the Cox Plate. Um, mm. if, you, if he runs to that, he's going to be the absolutely the horse to beat there. Um, he arrived a couple of weeks ago, Saturday week. Uh, he, he comes out of quarantine tomorrow. Uh, him, he's going for a gallop at Flemington on Sunday morning. Uh, as a final hit out uh, before the Turnbull Stakes. The interesting thing with Hong Kong horses is that because they they have a break mid-year, they don't race in Hong Kong from July to September. Uh, there's you know he's coming into the race having not raced since May this year in the Champion Traders Cup, where he ran second over a mile and a half uh, after winning the QE2. So he's he's you know all along the trainer Danny Shum has has been keen to have a lead up into the Cox Plate to make sure he's uh, cherry ripe on the day uh, on Cox Plate Day on the 28th of October. So he goes around in the Turnbull Stakes next Saturday, uh, which is shaping as one of the sort of early spring races of the year. So, um, And we've also got a horse called West Wind Blows here, who's trained by Simon and Ed Crisford uh, from England. Uh, he's not quite at the same level as a horse like Romantic Warrior, and to give you an indication of that, his international rating is 112 and Romantic Warriors is 124. So he's, he's also running in the Turnbull next week as a hit out before the Caulfield Cup a couple of weeks later. And he's only got 54 kilos in the Caulfield Cup. So the I would say he's a horse that's better than that. Uh, his form suggests that. He ran in the English Derby as a three-year-old. He's won a couple of Group 3 races in France in the last 12 months. He ran second at Royal Ascot in a race called the Hardwick Stakes behind one of their best stays in Pile Driver. Uh, and he's very attractively weighted in the Corfield Cup on 54 kilos. So so we've got those horses here at the moment, uh, both about to kick their campaigns off next week. And uh, then we've got another group of horses arriving on Saturday night. You speak about uh, the Turnbull, how it shapes up as a, one of the races of the spring. I've just pulled up the uh, the odds at the moment. Romantic Warriors, uh, even money favourite, basically, and a horse that we all know so well. Arguably the best horse that we've got in our country at the moment, Mr. Brightside's an $8 chance. That That's going to be one hell of a race. It will be. I mean, I, I'd just say, with the only word of caution I'd say about Romantic Warriors, what I touched on before, and that is he is first up off a reasonably long break. Uh, he's done that before in Hong Kong with success, but clearly this time he's had to travel to Australia, go through quarantine, um, you know, training on an unfamiliar surface and going the other the other way um, than they do in Hong Kong. So there's probably a little bit against him. And, and sort of on top of that as well, the Turnbull's a set weights and penalties race. So being a multiple group one winner, he carries the top penalty, if you like, in the race. So he'll carry top weight and will be giving weight to nearly every other horse in the field. So it's not a handicap as such, but he will be giving away um, some weight to, to basically all the other horses in the field. So I'm really hoping that he can win, uh, but I, I'd be really happy as well with a, with a strong placing 
knowing that he'll improve with the run and onto the Cox Plate. Mr. Brightside, I'm not sure whether he's going to the Turnbull or not, uh, and that might be factored into his price. I think the way they're heading is to yep. the King Charles the following week at Randwick, uh, and then that would be his final run before the Cox Plate. But, yeah, I mean, there's other horses like Sulcombe, um, who's flying at the moment, Chris Waller's horse, who, who came through Werribee last year and won the Queen Elizabeth and uh, has run well, won very well first up and was very good in the Underwood the other day. So, uh, you know, and there's a, a range of other horses that some of our leading stables have, have got heading towards the races. It's a pivotal race for the spring because it's two weeks before the Caulfield Cup and three weeks before the Cox Plate. So horses uh, from the Turnbull sort of head either up in distance or stay at that distance heading towards the Cox Plate. So it's definitely looking like a, a very strong race, um, even if Mr Brightside doesn't end up running in it. Yeah, a really strong guide to the uh, the Cox Plate and the Caulfield Cup, at least. Now, the Melbourne Cup? Oh, you, Zach, before that, you uh, you did mention that uh, there's some other horses turning up this weekend. Yeah, so uh, on Saturday night, we have six horses coming into one of our other yards out here at Werribee. Uh, we've got the current Melbourne Cup favourite in Vauban, trained by the great Willie Mullins, uh, and his stablemate, a horse called Absurd... Uh, whose form very much ties in with Royal Band. They both competed in a in a 2400 metre race at Royal Ascot uh, earlier in the year in June. Uh, Royal Band won by seven and a half lengths and Absurd ran second. Uh, Royal Band then went on and won a Group 3 race in Ireland with the Bally Rowan Stakes very impressively. And Absurd then went on and won England's premier handicap race, the Ebor Handicap, which is a race uh, that carries a Melbourne Cup win and you're in status and is a race that um, a Melbourne Cup winner hasn't come out of, but there's been multiple horses that have run second and third in the Melbourne Cup that have run well in the Ebor. So it's a good form line and, and, and the win of Absurd winning that after running miles behind Vauban the start before is, is probably a good indication as to where Vauban sits in the scheme of things. But of course, you know, they've got to travel and they've got to get here and settle in and, and then handle the, the hype on the day. Uh, we've also got arriving on that shipment uh, a horse of, uh, two horses, I should say, of Joseph O'Brien's, one called Value King and the other one called Akita Sushi. Uh, and they are, they are both heading towards the Caulfield Cup. They're both a little bit down in the order. Um, Valiant King actually ran second to Vauban in the Group 3 race to Bally Rowan in Ireland. Uh, two starts ago and was a really good run. But then sort of strangely uh, ran again on Irish Champions weekend in another Group 3 race and was very disappointing. I think there were some excuses for him that day. I think he might have pulled up with some mucus uh, on the scope. So I think you can put a line through that. But unfortunately, what that meant is that his, his, his rating didn't increase enough to, to get him up in the weights and the Crawford and Melbourne Cup, so he's, he's a little bit down the order. I think he's 33rd in order in the Caulfield Cup at the moment, so he's going to need a little bit of attrition in the lead-up to the race. But at the same time last year, number 32 got into the Caulfield Cup, so all is not lost for them. And anyway, they'll, they'll come here and um, take their chances in the Caulfield Cup, both those horses. And if they don't, I would imagine they'd probably end up in races like the Geelong Cup and the Mooney Valley Cup heading towards the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and we've got a very exciting three-year-old called Victoria Road, uh, trained by the great Aidan O'Brien, uh, who's coming out for the Cox Plate. So he'll add another dimension to the to the Cox Plate 
uh, being a Northern Hemisphere three-year-old, which have had good success uh, in recent times through horses like Sir Dragon A and also uh, Adelaide uh, a few years ago, which, which Aidan trained. He was a very, had a very interesting two-year-old year. Uh, he, he had many runs at the end of last year and culminated in winning the Breeders' Cup Route 1 Juvenile Turf over a mile. Uh, and then had a relatively long break and, and ran poorly first up in France, but then ran really well on Irish Champions Weekend in a Group 2 race over a mile uh, at his last start. And that was when they made the decision to come to the Cox Plate uh, because they think he's looking for the 2,000 metres. So he's, again, another one that's probably got to improve to be able to win a Cox Plate, but you wouldn't put it past Aidan O'Brien to, to get that out of him. Uh, so he's really exciting and, and then on Monday we have uh, the Japanese returning uh, to Australia to compete in the Corfield and Melbourne Cups we have a horse called Breakup uh, mm. who's trained by Tatsuya Yoshioka uh, and will be ridden by Damian Lane in the Caulfield Cup he is probably just below the elite level in Japan but has run against the elite uh, all this year. Uh, his last run was a, in a race called the Takarazuka Kinnan behind a horse you might have heard of in Equinox, who's the highest rated horse in the world and clearly the best horse in the world for mine. Uh, he didn't have a lot of luck that day, raced up on the speed and the race basically was, was dominated by backmarkers Equinox and the second horse through seven seas, <clears throat> who is actually going around in the arc from tonight, which I noticed in your preamble, you, you talked about all the great racing on the weekend, but you didn't mention the, the best race in the world has been run on the weekend, the, the RQ Triomphe. Well, I, was leaving that up. Uh, but anyway, I was leaving that up to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll get a good line um, on 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 uh, breakups form if, if through seven seeds can run well in the arc and then the Japan Cup's on in a few weeks' time as well. So, And, and, he, and the start before that, he ran fourth in a race called the Tenno Show in Japan, which is a two-mile race run in April, which is their best and you know most prestigious staying race run throughout the year in Japan. And he and behind that, you know, in, in front of him was a horse called Justin Palace, who is is probably the, the you know second or third best horse in Japan. So he's got really good form amongst a whole heap of really talented horses in Japan. He probably needs to run up to his best to be able to win Caulfield and Melbourne Cups, but. Uh, I, I would be surprised if he, he didn't run really well, certainly um, in the Caulfield Cup. Because it, it looks to me like his best form is a mile and a half. Um, you know, maybe just struggles to get the two mile, but that's in Japan. Here, when the races run at different tempos, he, he might be able to stay the trip out for sure. So he, he's a really exciting runner. So that's a total of seven horses that are arriving across Saturday and Monday this weekend, uh, and then we have one other horse arriving uh, in a few weeks' time on the 17th of October, and its name is La Stochka, uh, mm-hmm. that is going to be trained by Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., and owned by Australian Bloodstock, and she is a very talented French mare that won a Group 3 race called the Barberville uh, at her last start in France, and then she was purchased by Australian Bloodstock come for the cup um she's only got 51 in the cups so i would expect that that is a weight that she should be really competitive in the melbourne cup on so so 
that's the complement of horses that are coming to Werribee. We also do have uh, some horses going into Sydney, not, not racing Victoria, of course, but a couple of horses called Light Infantry and Buckaroo that are racing in the King Charles on the 14th of October and then will come down for the Cox Plate and possibly champion stakes after that. So, so all in all, uh, you know, all those horses are going to be well in the markets for Caulfield Cups, Cox Plates and Melbourne Cups. And uh, yeah. I think I'd be surprised if one of them doesn't take the money in one of those races. And from what you've gone through there, that the quality this year is uh, it seems very strong. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, like we, we have come from a, a time pre-COVID where we were getting 20 or 30 horses coming for our races and, you know, we'd end up with 10 or 12 Melbourne Cup runners. Uh, yep. Those numbers are dramatically down, so we're going to have about 11 or 12 horses through Werribee this year. Um, and that's as a result of, you know, our, our stronger veterinary processes that um, has led to less trainers targeting Melbourne. But at the same time, I would say we've, we've reduced quantity, but we've increased quality because you're right. I, I really think uh, certainly when you look at the Cups and, and you look at horses like Vauban, who, who could be anything, you know, he's, he's an interesting horse because he's, he's actually not done a lot to, to get... 55 kilos in the cups, but he's got a very high rating because of the margins of his wins and impressiveness of them. But he could be, you know, he could be winning Ascot Gold Cups and things like that next year. He could prove to be one of the better stays in Europe, I, I would say, in time to come. Uh, and, 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 you know, and absurd and break up uh, and, and horses like that. And, and then certainly West Wind Blows as well for the Caulfield Cup is, is a talented horse that's on the way up. And that's the profile of horses that we, we like is Horses that are relatively lightly raced, younger horses, and we haven't seen the best of them yet, and hopefully we see the best of them in, in races in Melbourne. And then, of course, we've got Romantic Warrior, who's, who's one of the top 10 rated yeah. horses in the world uh, and is, is the superstar of Hong Kong. And, you know, what comes with that as well is the world pool betting on, on races like the Cox Plate and the Turnbull, which is... Which is a great result for Victorian racing and, and also Hong Kong racing because they'll be able to watch and bet on, on their great champions. So, so you're right. I, I'm, I'm very happy with the quality of horses we've got this year and I think they're really going to add an extra dimension to, to all the races that they run in. Paul, comprehensive as always. Uh, I think we'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks' time to see how uh, these uh, new arrivals uh, have settled in. Thanks for your time. Uh, have a great weekend. You had a great year with the Blues. Just fell short at the uh, the last couple of hurdles, but that's okay. It's a big improvement. I'm sure they'll be there next year. I know you're a keen blues man. Now, don't hang up because I've got another little song for you on the uh, on the app. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time. That was Paul Bloodworth, General Manager, International and Racing Operations for Racing Victoria, right across all the internationals uh, for the Cups. So great to chat to Paul. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. This is the Punters Mate on SEN. Welcome back to the Punters Mate on this Friday, the 29th of September 2023. Always great to catch up with Rob Heathcote, especially this week. He's got Rothfire, of course, going around tonight. Uh, 
in the Moya, that's going to be a hot race. Uh, and there's talk, talk about Everest slots. We'll ask Rob about that in just a moment. And he's also got the Flying Mary Katarina uh, resuming in the last race at Eagle Farm. And she is uh, one horse tomorrow I'm really looking forward to seeing. Rob, uh, good afternoon to you. You're in Melbourne in the fine weather. It's a beautiful day down here, Chris. It's uh, not a cloud in the sky. And, you know, I, was, I spent the morning at the Flemington Racetrack and I was, I was happy with Roth Fire and Startantes and all pumped up, getting a little bit nervous for the uh, the Moya Group 1 tonight. Yeah, what a cracking field it is. Uh, Rothy, you just said you've checked on him and he's going OK. Uh, some people have said he's, he could be back to his best career form. Where do you put him in that in that regard? I agree. I, I, I think he is. I don't think he was. He will ever be as good as what he potentially could have been prior to the uh, the injury that he suffered. But he, he's done an extraordinary job to to get back, not only to be competitive at group level, but to be successful as well. I mean, he's running last year's or this year's winter Stradbroke carrying the, the 57 kilos was was extraordinary from the wide barrier, admittedly beaten by, you know, a potential superstar in Think About yeah. It. But he, he, he's run to, to beat Giga Kick in, in the McEwen uh, three weeks ago was brilliant. If, if he can reproduce that run, he, it will certainly be competitive tonight. But I suppose, and let me ask you that question, Chris, barrier one, some are saying it's good and some are saying it's detrimental around the valley. So well, I suppose it depends on how the track plays. It hurt, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, you would think around the valley, 1,000 metres, the track circumference, the track contours, it would be just the, the perfect barrier. But doesn't always work that way at the Valley. But uh, I think, Rob, as you'd agree, I'd rather draw gate one than gate eight any time. <clears throat> That'll do me, mate. So we know we're going to get uh, good speed from uh, Amakula and, and, of course, uh, Zoo Style. So hopefully they uh, they leave a gap for us to dive through. Yeah, well, you've got the right man on board there in Blake Sheen. A great Queensland representation in the race. Uh, not only yourself, we've got Uncommon James. We've got zoo style as well. So it's it's great to see the Queenslanders making up almost half the field. Yeah, and uh, Steve and Matt with, with uh, Uncommon James, they haven't left it in their pocket. Wow, they're backing, backing the life out of him. So I think watching uh, TV last night talk about the race, they, I think they think that it's going to be a swoopers track tonight and Uncommon James has been very, very heavily supported. So, yeah, good luck to the boys. Uh, They've won a Group 1, and they'll be, they'll be striving to make it to tonight, that's for sure. Now, Rothfire, should he run well tonight? And There's no reason that he won't. Uh, the Everest field and slots is, seems to be opening up more by the day with horses falling by the wayside. Have you had any discussions about the Everest? Yeah, there's been, there's been um, some interest in him. Um, you know, certainly nothing has been locked in. Uh, and, and why should it, particularly with... Okay, the race is two weeks away, but we've got a Group One race tonight, and and look, I'm hopeful that if Rothfire can run a good race, I don't know whether he has to win or not, but as long as he maintains his form, there's certainly interest in the horse. I can't divulge from who or where at this stage because you know so much does depend on not only I suppose his performance tonight, but you know because of his history, it's how he pulls up and how he recovers because. Bear in mind that we've been here twice before. He was $5 third favourite 
for the uh, for the Everest what three years ago, four years ago, when you know he suffered that injury in the Golden Rose, mm. and then we got him back and he ran a nice fourth in the shorts, and and then I wasn't happy the way he pulled up after the Premier Stakes the following year, and so we we aborted that Everest mission and. And here we are with with a few <laughs> a few slot holders still interested in gaining a horse to represent them in two weeks' time. So no, it's a it's a fun time, but I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. It's something I've told the owners that there is interest. Uh, yep. Nothing's been uh, signed or inked yet. Uh, now, Ekaterina is the other one I want to talk to you about. Uh, other than you, I'm probably her biggest fan, and it's broken my heart not to tip her to win that last race. At Eagle Farm tomorrow, but uh, I just thought Zarastro might be the fitter horse and, and hard to run down. But I'm really looking forward to her. I thought she was one of the finds of the carnival. The turn of foot that she's got, I think she's she's really on the up this mare. Yeah, I'll forgive you for not tipping her, but it's very easy to tip Tony's horse. Not only the way Zarastro has been, you know, so dominant in its two wins, but you know, Tony, his stable's firing. He, he does an amazing job and. The horse is going to be very, very hard to beat. And I suppose we could mention the way the track's playing too. We'll certainly have an idea come race nine whether yep. the track's playing fair or whether it's playing leaderish or the run-on horses have a, an equal opportunity. But yeah, I agree with you. She's a filly that there's not a lot of us. She's so like her older sister, Star Tontes. Um, she's only small, but she's got a big heart. And more importantly, she's got a big motor. So... Whether she gets back as far as what she was during the Winter Carnival, we, we trialled her here first up and she pinged the gates and sat pretty much outside Uncommon James in that trial and she was really good. So, yeah, we'll wait and see how she jumps. But she excites me as much as you, Chris. And if she was yeah. to run a big one tomorrow, I'm not going to be frightened to throw a nomination in for the Silver Eagle at Randwick on Everest Day. Yeah, that was my next question. Where are we heading with her? Because I've been checking the uh, nominations in Melbourne uh, <laughs> the last three or four weeks looking for her. I didn't expect to see her turn up in Brisbane. Well, it's just a nice kick-off race for her. Bear in yep. mind I've had my eye on the Silver Eagle. It's 1,300 metres, which I feel is in her wheelhouse. But it just has given us the opportunity to get her ready at home. She's never been away yet. She hasn't travelled interstate. So I just think, and this is why Bailey Wheeler was earmarked for this horse about a month ago. He rode her in the trial. He's ridden her in the jump out since then. And, you know, she gets in so well at the weights tomorrow. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how well she has come back. And I've always said, Chris, two-year-old has to find three lengths to be a good three-year-old. And a good three-year-old needs to find three lengths as they mature into, you know, their four-year-old season. And, you know, it remains to be seen if she has done that. If she has, she can indeed go on and become a stakes mayor. Well, I think she can. And looking at that trial back in uh, late August when she did run second to Uncommon James, I thought that was outstanding. So I certainly hope she runs well. If she knocks me off with Zarastro, I won't be disappointed at all, Rob. And uh, good luck to you tomorrow, <laughs> or tonight, sorry, with Rothfire. I hope he runs really well. And I hope there's an Everest slot soon after offered, and if uh, that is the case, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again very shortly. Good on you, mate. Always a pleasure.
Brick in front, but all that pizzazz looming ominously. 100 to go, Yellow Brick, all that pizzazz lunges. Photo. All that pizzazz, the outside. Now, one man who uh, has probably watched that video replay of the Wheatwood over and over again is Tony Golan, who told us on the show a couple of weeks ago he really wanted to win the Wheatwood. It was a race he hadn't won, and it was uh, very special to him, and he was going to have a real crack at it, and he did that, and, of course, won the race with all that pizzazz. Uh, Tony, good afternoon to you. You must have been tickled pink to get that win last week. Yeah, I was. Good afternoon, Chris. Yeah, I was, mate. Um, Obviously, being a... A Toowoomba boy, you know, that's the race day I grew up, you know, going to, always wanting to win, and it was really special to win it, win it last Saturday. Now, um, when we did speak to you a couple of weeks ago, you, you did say you'd have a decent crack with Situation Room and a couple of others. Um, personally, with the barriers, I thought Situation Room was, was the best chance in the race, but the ride on all that pizzazz to go forward uh, was, was obviously a, a masterstroke, and... His form had been so good. It was no surprise once he got into a decent spot, he was going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, I think the race, you know, it certainly didn't, it certainly changed, you know, complexion of what we thought it would be. So it, it um, I thought Situation Room probably lead the race. Obviously, Yellow Brick jumped really well and he just got on with the job. And when that happened, we were able to jump jump well ourselves or all that pizzazz and just slot into a beautiful spot. You know, you wouldn't credit you get such a good run from, from a very ordinary barrier. Now, you did also mention early in the year after you won the Magic Millions with Skirt the Law that that was a race that you were really keen to win. So you ticked that box and then you ticked the Wheatwood box. What's next? Can you tell us uh, now so we can get our bets organised? Because they seem to be, uh, <laughs> whatever you seem to want to win, you're winning at the moment. Uh, yeah, I wish it was that simple, but no, I'm not sure, mate. I'd love to win a group one now. I guess we haven't won one for a couple of seasons, so... That's probably very high on the on the priority list. I'll take whichever one comes my way. But they are those two races, the, the Wheatwood and the Magic Means, are two races that we've got runners in most years, and they sort of hold a pretty special path for me. So it's really good to knock them over. But now the the keys to try and win them again. Well, uh, what about a Toowoomba Cup? If you won a Toowoomba Cup, yeah, I won one. Yeah, one Toowoomba Cup. Okay. So that's, uh, that, that box is ticked that we won't have to worry about. Now, Group 1, you just mentioned you'd like to win another Group 1. There's one tonight, and you've got Zoo Style going around in, uh, in tonight's Moya Stakes, which looks a cracking field. Yeah, it's always a pretty small race, numbers-wise, this, but it's got plenty of quality. This year's no exception. Um, look, he's a year older, Zoo Style. He ran gallant in this race last year when he ran third. Um, he's no better than what he was then. He's probably as good, but he's run into a really hot race, so... It's, um, it's a good race, be a good spectacle if you're still awake at, at quarter past nine tonight to watch it. But so he'll um, he'll race very well. Well, most of us will be, but most of us don't have to get up at the same time of the morning that you do. So uh, yeah, it won't be uh, won't be as easy for you. Now you've got Skirt the Law going around as well, and she's going around later at nine forty-five. But that run down the straight, she. What did you take out of that? I mean, just watching from my perspective, she just seemed to be under a bit of pressure a long way out. But I love the way she stuck it out all the way to the line. Yeah, I, I thought she was a bit plain. Um, I thought she was pretty lost up the straight. She she paraded even going to the barriers. She was a touch fresh. She wanted to get on with the job going to the gate. So I don't think we saw her at her best the other day at Flemington. I think she's better than that. I think the 13 days into this has been perfect for her. She's an older horse now. The closer gap between runs is really ideal for her. And she presents in really good order tonight. And I think Mooney Valley will suit her a bit better. You normally can just get your toe into the ground at the valley. 
I think that's important mm. for her. And the good three at Flemington also just wasn't probably right to her liking the other day. All right, so we can expect good improvement uh, out of her. Now, Eagle Farm tomorrow, you've got... I oh know, before we get to Eagle Farm, you've got Antino going around uh, on Sunday at Sandown. Now, I'm not going to go through the ride last time and what happened. Uh, from our point of view, we discussed this on the show, that there was really nothing wrong with it, but that's in the past. We move on. How has Antino gone on since that particular run? Yeah, really good. He's a horse that really likes once he gets into his preparation and gets a bit of continuity. He does improve, and that's what we're seeing with him. He um, he looks better. He'll present better than when he did at Flemington the other day. He was obviously quite luckless. He should have won the racing. No one disagrees with that. And with a with a smoother run in transit on Sunday, he he looks the the horse to beat because he's definitely a better horse this Sunday than what he was two weeks ago at Flemington. Now, Eagle Farm tomorrow, you've got a good number of runners once again. You kick it off in race number three with uh, Insta Good. Now, very happy with this filly's last start win. I think I was one of the few that tipped her. That was, and I don't understand to this day why she was that price because her previous run was very, very good and it was great to see all the other jockeys get off the fence a couple of weeks ago and uh, through where Damien Thornton and Instagood looked pretty good, Tony. Yeah, it was a bizarre meeting. They were really keen to get off fence there and it worked in our favour in this race. And you're right, you did like her that day. I remember you saying that on, on the show that you thought she was a good chance and she's a really good price again yeah. tomorrow. The, the market never really reflects just how good this filly's going. And I think we'd all agree that 1,200 suits are a lot better than 1,000 um, and she probably should be unbeaten. So, look, she's a, I know there's some nice nice young horses in this race as well, um, but she, she's the right horse. She's got the right form and the 1,200 is right up her alley as opposed to the thousands she's been running in. Yeah, and the inside gate, she can just mind her own business once again. Interesting to see if Show Me Mercy goes back or forward, but that's a small field, but an interesting race. Race number four, you've got Sunset Soiree accepted, but a poor gate. Uh, as an emergency at this stage, any idea of uh, Sunset Soiree? She's will gained make? a run. Yeah, she's gained a run and she will start. I've been three and a half weeks into this already. I probably just don't want to wait any longer with her. She likes to find her feet anyway. She'll be in the second half of the field from where she's drawn. And if Tempo can can suit, she can really hit the line. Good form around her. Also, she beat come out in one since. So I think she's in she's in good order, but she just needs a bit of tempo in the race for her to hit the line. Dramatica in race number five uh, is a mare that uh, doesn't win too often, but she's really far away. Yeah, she hasn't had a good draw since she's come back from Rockhampton, where she, which was her last win during the carnival up there. A low draw, a lightweight, really helps her. She'll sit just on the back of the speed and you'll see a big improvement in her. She, she's the right sort of horse for a race like this to be competitive in, but the key to her is good gates and she's finally drawn one again tomorrow. Now, this is uh, an interesting race. Race six is the class three over 18-20. You've got uh, two well-fancied runners here in three, Kokonotsu and six, Tenzing. Uh, I was on Tenzing last night. I thought, a last uh, start, I thought the run was very good, sitting three wide, no cover throughout. 1,800 is the unknown, whereas Kokonotsu's got the form winning its last two here at uh, Eagle Farm, both over 1,800 metres. Do you favour Kokonotsu? Oh, look, I probably do, just to the point where that he's actually really winning this horse now. He's a real winner. You know, even when he's not executing his race as well, he's finding a way to win. And I thought his last win was his best. He hasn't trained off since then. He looks magnificent, the horse. He'll sit up on speed, whether he leads or he's in the first four. He'll be handy, um, and he's probably the one they've got to beat. Tenzing, he just can't get any luck. He just he never seems mm. to be able to get in the right spot in the race. So he's drawn a little bit awkward. He needs a few things to go his way, just into that top corner. If, that, if it does, and he can get in midfield or slightly worse in midfield with a bit of cover, 
he can be a big improver. Like you said, his run was good the other day. It was a day he couldn't sit three wide, no cover, and win races, which he shouldn't be able to. And that was certainly the case for him. He loomed well, but the run took its toll. But I think with a nice, smother midfield, with a bit of cover, he can run well. But Malini would be cocking up too. I just, I just like the way he's really learning how to be a racehorse. Uh, race number seven, you send around the very consistent Immoral, who'd won three straight and then ran third at Doombin last start. I thought that was a very good run, uh, a little bit tardy. Look, he gets back anyway, as we all know, but didn't get a lot of room in the straight there, ran into a bit of traffic and then finished off very well, I thought. Yeah, I think he would have made it pretty interesting had he got through where he wanted to. He probably should be unbeaten his last four. Um, he looks just as good. He feels as good. I like the way the race shapes. I think there's good pressure in it. I know the favourite's a sort of a speed horse, but he won't get it all the same way with Flaming Conquest there as well. So there'll be a bit of pressure up front, which suits my bloke. He'll you know, bide his time midfield like that, and he'll be very, very strong late. So Beast Mode won't want to be you know, tiptoeing late because this horse will really hit the line. I agree, and I hope you're right. Uh, Zarastro in the last is absolutely flying. Uh, takes on a Katarina here, but she's likely to get back, you would think, and she hasn't won fresh, whereas this guy's just doing it both ends of his races. Is he, has he improved since that last run? I don't know if he's improved. He's every bit as good. He's certainly very fit, very well. Um, he's in good shape. He enjoys his run space without the moment. He likes Eagle Farm. This race sets up a little bit different. There is a, a long shot down the bottom there, you know, going from a half mile to a 1,200 that'll probably put a bit of speed into the race. So, you know, he's going to have to learn probably another string to his bow tomorrow. But I don't think he's a one-trick pony, this horse. He can, he can do what he likes. So, you yeah, know, provided we can execute the race well, he, he's certainly the horse to beat. He's, he's a pretty nice horse, this. And he, he wouldn't shock me after tomorrow we're talking about a summer carnival with him. Excellent. Uh, now, Toowoomba tomorrow night. You've just got a couple of runners here. Uh, race two, number 10, Lil Wonder. Anthony Allen's gone up to take the ride. Yeah, she's been pretty consistent without winning. We stepped out to the 13.50 the other day at Doom. I thought she was really good. Um, also, Kelly Swider just got up and beat her. It's won again since. So, it's won three in a row now, that horse. So, she's got the right form for a Toowoomba race. And in race three, you're sending around uh, Kimi Zabi. Now, I think this one's got a good chance. Good debut win. Nothing yeah. wrong with the second start. Good good alley. Good chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he said we'll probably touch closer than we anticipated the second up at Sunny Coast, and he was just beaten late. But he's a, he's a nice horse. Um, he's certainly the right sort of horse for a class one at Toowoomba on Saturday night. He's, he's in good order, this little bloke. All right, Tony. With all those runners across the weekend, what's your best bet? As Sammy Highland would say, and he's not here this week, he'd say, what can we put the house on, Tony? Uh, really looking forward to Antino on Sunday. But as you know, we've got a lot of good chances throughout, you know, tonight. You have. Right through to Sunday afternoon. But, you know, if there's one horse, or, you know, there's a couple, obviously, of excitement this weekend. But there's one horse I'm really looking forward to seeing step out again at Santino. He's just a horse that he, he certainly gets you out of bed, no worries at all. Tony, thanks for uh, for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate your time. Best of luck in Melbourne tonight. Uh, Melbourne on Sunday. Eagle Farm tomorrow, right across the weekend. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, mate. Ta. Tony Golan, uh, Queensland's number one trainer, joining me there. And he's been that for about the past 10 seasons. And that isn't going to top, stop anytime soon. Now it's time for some uh, some tips. And uh, what do we like at Eagle Farm tomorrow? Race one, number eight, Mighty Willie. Now, generally, I steer well and truly clear of these distance races, but 
Gee, I can't see a lot there to take on Mighty Willie. I think he'll be winning race one, number eight. Race seven, number two, the one Tony just mentioned, Immoral, I think is really well placed. And I think it will be running on right over the top of Beast Mode late. Beast Mode's got some good form, no doubt about that. But I think Immoral can run it down and you'll get a better price. And a bit of value, race eight, number five, Indispensable, who chased the Star of Chaos, uh, who went very hard last start. Uh, Indispensable hung on for second. Star of Chaos ran fourth. And Canadian Dancer was the one that had the good run behind them. And she was able to win the race. So uh, I think race eight, number five, Indispensable, can also run well. Now, I've got some tips also from our from our resident tipsters. If I look into uh, my phone here, I'll see that Gibbo's given us the Gold Coast and they're racing on the poly track tomorrow. He's given us race three, number two, State of Fact. And he's also gone to Randwick in the flight stakes. Of course, three group ones in Sydney tomorrow. Uh, the flight stakes is one of those. He's gone with race six, number two, Kamochi, uh, to turn the tables on Tiz Invincible, who's uh, had Kamochi's measure last couple of starts. So race three, number two at the Gold Coast on the Poly, and race six, number two in Sydney. South Australian tips from at South underscore tips on Twitter. Morfittville Parks. Race one, number two, Boognish. Race two, number nine, Episodic. Race four, number two, Surprise Coming. And race seven, number four, Taunting. You win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Thanks so much for joining me on this Friday afternoon on The Pundas, mate. Next week, Sammy will be back. Please join us, same time, same place. Have a great weekend, plenty of winners.